0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott.
1: I'm Jesse,
2: and I'm Julie from Forgotten Classics.
0: Hey, everybody! Hello. Hello. Welcome to the uh, Velvet Lounge of. <laughs> 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 we need to have a virtual lounge with a yeah. a jazz band with a stand up bass and stuff.
1: Oh, geez. I'm not much for music, I'm sorry.
0: I know, I know it. <laughs> well, we're here today to talk about Dream Park by Larry Niven and uh I was going to say Jerry Pornell, but it's not. It's <laughs> uh, Steven Barnes. Yeah. yeah, Niven and Barnes. So, um we've all read it. Um mm-hmm. I could start with my opinion. Um now, I I flew through this book at ludicrous speed. (laughs) So um, I'm sure that I missed some stuff is what my point is. Um, I listened to it on audio read by Stefan Rudnicki, who is fantastic. Yep, so bravo on that. Um, And I liked it very much. Um, I thought it was super entertaining. Um, I thought it lacked uh, big ideas and things, you know, other than the application of technology. And there wasn't any uh, personal story in particular that grabbed me and and made me think, oh, this is really a terrific novel. Um so I gave it a and I liked it on Goodreads, which is three stars. Um mm-hmm. but I thought it was terrifically entertaining. Um I, I have no idea why this isn't a movie. I mean, how when when was the book published? <laughs> it 80, wasn't eighty one. Eighty one. I mean, uh, it would be a terrific yeah. movie. I mean you've got zombies, you've got uh you know, Carco cult stuff and uh, gaming, mm-hmm. and um, you know, how is this not murder a movie? Mystery. Yeah, and a murder mystery.
1: I think I think the reason it's not a movie is because it's called War- World of Warcraft. <laughs> that's <laughs> that, the 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 thing that struck me about the book is is that it it, it isn't what we have, right? It, mm-hmm. We have a technology that allows us to do all the stuff that's in Dream Park, except we don't do it in real life. We do it on the computer.
0: Ah. Yeah. It's
1: basically World of Warcraft, right? Okay, mm-hmm. or something like that. Some mm-hmm. sort of virtual version of. Yeah, we we of- also
0: have live-action roleplay (LARP), yeah. which um, is something that I don't know that existed in 1981. Maybe it did, and I didn't know about it.
1: Oh, uh, it says Wikipedia says that it, it came out of this book. Oh, did it? Larping, LARPing Yeah. With...
0: <laughs> oh.
2: I was going to say I think the second book that they they did three books or at least Larry Niven did about Dream Park and I think the second one in the afterwards they kind of said and thanks to the the people who are helping to make this a reality. And so that's when you were saying that I thought, "Oh, that must be what happened."
1: Hmm. Uh, well, there's a couple of things. There's there there, there was larping before. Uh, okay. Um if you remember, I did a a post about the seventh victim, or seventh victim, the um, yeah, yeah. Robert Sheckley story. Mm-hmm. And there is mm-hmm. that that phenomenon where people uh, play a virtual game of assassination, you know, at a university or uh, at a school with their fellow classmates. That that is a kind of form of you know LARPing, but mm-hmm. uh, this sort of Dungeons and Dragons style LARP, um, I think, was mostly inspired by Dream Park. And then there's there's there was apparently some sort of Real corporation that tried to uh, realize this, and that may have been the the thing that they were noting in the back of the barsoom project that's Mm-kay. the second in the series
0: okay yeah interesting
1: and so. there's a third book as well, the california booted game i haven't read either of those so mm-hmm.
2: yeah i read i first read dream park i i'm pretty sure fairly soon after it came out and I really liked it because I hadn't come across a concept like that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this sounds so much better than Disney World. I want to go there.
1: Yeah, it is. It's much more interesting than Disney World. Yeah.
2: And I really was intrigued by the fact that they're on an adventure with Cargo Cult, which I didn't know anything about. And the murder mystery for me was much less interesting, although it was well done enough. And that was before I'd read enough Larry Niven and anybody to realize that the personal interactions are often less satisfying than they could be.
1: They're almost robotic, aren't they?
2: In his books. Yeah. And he, he, I've been slapped down by the f- people for this before, but I maintain he's rather misogynistic in his writing anyway. And I don't know that that comes across in this book, but I tend to look at his personal relationships with kind of a jaundiced eye because of that. So, um, but
1: not his personal relationships, you mean? I that? have
2: no idea about yeah. the man himself. You're talking himself. about the
1: characters, yeah.
2: Uh, yes, it could just be the way he writes. I don't yeah. know, just the characters. Um, But I, I really do very, tend to like his books, yeah. he's, he's other than that. so to, uh, He's not,
1: he, he certainly isn't trying to uh, uh, really empathize with what, what it's, it doesn't seem like it's coming from the woman's perspective. No. In mm-hmm. the books. I wouldn't say it's misogynistic as much as it's sort of dated,
2: Yeah, I guess that's it more. It's that it's always like if he has a chance to set up a society like in the moat in God's eye, the society that's going to do first contact with the aliens, you know, it's very much of a, oh, women can go to college and they can then go on a career. But once they get married, that's it. Then you're going to serve the husband and blah, 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 blah. And um, it's just those things tend to be structured that way. Um, sometimes it's logical, like in Lucifer's Hammer, where, you know, after the fall of civilization, because a meteor hit or comet, whatever hits the earth, you kind of go, that's kind of what things fall back into. <laughs> because of that's how society might tend to go, um, depending on how you set it up. But sometimes not, like in the mode in God's eye. So I, well, just, I don't,
1: I don't, I don't yeah. remember anything really outstandingly, you know, bad in this book. In that, in that, sort of
2: no, I agree, and that's why I don't know why I got off on that tangent, except to say I think he's not the best at setting up people and inter- interpersonal relationships. A lot of the time, they tend to be very formulaic, and that shows hmm. here. I think
1: so. The the whole murder mystery aspect of the book, uh, I can tell you. It, it, I di- I didn't no- notice, you know, it's not in the first third of the book, I, I would say, that the murder happens, maybe mm-hmm. right after the first third. And then mm-hmm. um, it what it felt to me like was, you know, kind of like in Around the World in 80 Days, there's a bank robbery, but it doesn't really do anything for the plot. It's just some additional motivation to push the characters. And mm-hmm. it didn't feel like, it, you know, it doesn't help resolve the original, the main idea of the story, the main thrust of the story is that it's idea, you know, there's this, you've got this place where you can go and dress up and become the Dungeons and Dragons style character that you wanted to be yeah. your, your, your character. And,
0: yeah, well, I, I think until the murder occurs, it's a little bit aimless. I mean, there's no specific plot yeah. that happens until that happens. And then there's a plot that for, for them to follow. Well, it's, it's until just then, all, it's just like, 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 you know, being on a Pirates of the Caribbean or something where you're like, hey, look at all this cool stuff. Yeah, you know.
2: Do we need to describe the book at all? Oh,
0: we probably better. Oh, quite Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: dang! I'm sorry I asked that question. Yeah. Uh, well, Dream Park is a place in the future where uh, earthquakes have happened. California's fallen off into the ocean, most of it, and um, that p- plays into the plot somewhat, but a small amount. But. Um, that at least indicates we're in the future. And holographic technology has gotten so good to the point that when you went to Dream Park and you entered into one of their so-called rides, it was like being in on the moon or under the water or whatever adventure you're having. And so they would take it and do all these fabulous adventures that people would go on into a Lovecraft story or something. And at the same time, they have areas where people can bring their outside groups to play out these games that they'll set up. Mm -hmm. So like setting up, I guess, Jesse, you were saying a world of Warcraft type situation where it's some mythos you have to uncover while you're going through it and solve it and win and bring back the treasure or kill everybody or whatever it is. And so the story follows Alex Griffin's point of view, Mm -hmm. and he's the head of security for dream park or something right. like that. Mm-hmm. And he, and it also follows some other characters who are going on the big new game that's being introduced and played by an outside group. And that's called the South Seas Treasure Game. And he doesn't have much interest in that, except that a murder happens, as you say, about a third of the way into the book. And it looks as if whoever did the murder came from that game, like while everybody was asleep. They snuck out of the gaming area and did something they don't know what killed this guard on the way back, and so he's got to go into the game so he can interrogate everyone. Because if they shut the game down, Dream Park will lose so much money they'd have to shut the park. Does that kind of sum right. up pretty
1: yeah. well? Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good.
2: Yeah. No, I, so I, one of the, of the really part,
1: cool. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: I was no, just no, saying uh, one of one of the really cool things that happens there at the in the first third is. The scary ride they go on, um, <laughs> yeah. You know they, you like know that. there's zombies and things in there, but um, it's interesting. One of the whole reasons that the murder occurs is uh, really for the theft of of this item that um, they're working on manipulating um, all of your senses in order to create a full experience. And um, the the scary ride that they went on was really interesting, I thought.
2: Well, it served well to illustrate what they could do. It's mm-hmm. basically they're saying, oh, here's L.A. and it's we're going underwater. And so they take you down to where it's like L.A. after the earthquake and what it's like now. And then they go, but we're going to take you back to the past to what 1980 or whenever Mm -hmm. it happened and then it comes up out of the water and it's like, it would have been when the book was written. And I did like some of the points that they made, like, you know, they were choking on an unfamiliar smell, like car exhaust going by
0: Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah.
2: Um, Yeah, So that illustrated what they could do. And then following some of the groups of characters that were going to go on the game as they kind of explored the park beforehand, gives you an idea of what people are hoping to get out of the game. Like one couple really just wants to they like the game but they really just want to cement their relationship gwen and ollie and um Mm -hmm. acacia is she's interested in playing the game and she's got a date a new guy with her who's never done it before and so she wants to introduce him to it although she's interested in playing with a lot more than just one guy evidently (laughs) um (laughs) she's always interested evidently but um so it kind of looks at Tony, her boyfriend, as he kind of learns what the game is like. So that kind of helps us see as he learns, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I liked is being plunged into that mythos as they were playing the game. Because, see, I was an avid video game player. Well, it wasn't called video games then, but I played Zork Mm -hmm. repeatedly, okay? And that was a a text-only game game. where… Yeah, where you start, you're standing at the end of a road, there's a White House in front of you, and there's a mailbox. And you could do things like open the mailbox and read what's inside.
1: Open mailbox. Or the house.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. My, and so my then favorite you would go of, down into this. I'm sorry, my yeah. favorite of that type was uh, Hitchhiker's Guide. I still have yes. a copy of that I that runs.
2: <laughs> well, those were all made from Infocom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They yep. got so inventive and so creative, and I just I bought all those games and I played all of them. And um, my husband was probably sorry he introduced me to that concept, mm-hmm. but Dream Park for me was like an extension of that. And that was before you had the you know the much more extensive games that you can play now. Um, since I'm on the Mac primarily, the last one I played was um, the Baldur's Gate games. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I think,
1: I think though, before you can get into Infocom and uh, all that stuff, you have to go back to the original Dungeons and Dragons, you know, r- regular oh, yeah. games, because um, I played those a lot. I also played the, the Infocom games and uh, at least a good chunk of them. Um, but it's to me, uh, it, this is just. Uh, this is more even even more so it's dungeons and dragons because dungeons and dragons you don't play usually by yourself you play as a member of a group right. a party I, I think they even you know have explicit references to to you know orcs and all the stuff that mm-hmm. you know it's basically tolkien derived adventure play um and that that part of the story made me think of the what what's happening now with with multi multiplayer, um online, mass, massively multiplayer online games like like World of Warcraft, which I have never played, but I know a lot about just because I've, I've read about how, how it it's, it's basically takes a lot of the aspects of Dungeons & Dragons, getting a, a bunch of people together. They call it uh, a clan or something like that in World of Warcraft, mm-hmm. um, and they all go, all go off on an adventure to kill some object and steal some object and and then they all get experience points and that's what's happening in in dream park whereas i think yeah. in the infocom games you know there were points and stuff but the, the fun part is you are playing it right, right. there's a story that you're in and right. participating in and the for to me the least interesting part of dungeons and dragons is all the experience points and the gold points and the, you know yeah. the rolling of the dice to figure out <laughs> what level is and oh that's really boring and one of the things that I think was a big mistake in this book was how many characters there are. Mm. They, at, uh, mm. at one point, there's a bunch of characters killed off, and they said, there's still 15 players left. <laughs>
0: like,
1: I've never been mm. in a Dungeons & Dragons game with 15 players.
0: No, me neither. I, maximum in, would
1: be like six.
0: Yeah. In my, in my experience, I've played, I played Dungeons & Dragons maybe two or three times with a group in high school. And then I didn't play that again, but I've played video games and things. Um, but it's actually been fairly recent over the last five or six years. I go to this local convention every year. I didn't make it this year. In fact, la- today's the last day of the convention down there this year, but I couldn't get there this year. But, um, almost every year I participate in a Cthulhu game. And, oh um, yeah,
1: that's, um, Call of Cthulhu.
0: Yeah, Call of Cthulhu, you're right. And it's, uh, there are way, I mean, terrifically fun. And, um,
1: those, you use disposable characters, right? (laughs) Yeah.
0: They, they, you go in there and you sit down at a convention and then, um, you know, there's a schedule and you can sign up for your game and then you go in there and they give you a sheet with your character. You get to pick which one. And the first one I participated in, um, each character had a secret. So the game master would tell you what your secret is. And then, um, you'd have to play the game knowing that you had this secret. And, um, but, they're incredibly immersive. I I was really surprised, even knowing what I knew in high school, how immersive that was, and it's unlike anything I've ever experienced on, in a computer game. Being at a table with a bunch of people, you know, n- n- never fifteen, like you said, maybe six, yeah, six people, a, and a and a, a game master.
1: Amazing sensual p- hallucination. That's what. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. What. Um, you know a William Gibson called the uh, cyberspace or something a consensual mm-hmm. hallucination when you are playing a a good adventure game um it is something you're really into right mm-hmm. and and, and yeah. I can imagine that uh, I've never larped myself, but there's <laughs> you know, there's the people who are in the society for creative anachronism that's probably half inspired by Dream park as well if not if 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 not exactly uh C- you know, creating it, I'm mm-hmm. sure people who read the book say, Hey, I'd like to do that. And there is there is something to the idea. I'm just thinking it's not it's not the greatest idea for a novel. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I never played Dungeons and Dragons only because I would have if I'd have known anybody who did
1: it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's hard just to the, get people. It's hard to get people. Yeah, yeah they're, they're and I've get few it Get a good, yeah, exactly.
2: And in college and high school, I just didn't know any people who did that, and it would be dangerous now because of that same thing. Although, when I was rereading this, it did make me think of Dungeons and Dragons, you know, because there are obvious references. And I do either of you watch Community,
1: yeah, of course. Yeah, so you saw the
2: Dungeons and Dragons episode earlier this year,
1: yes. That was that a spoof was, of Dungeons and I Dragons. Thought, right.
2: It was a spoof because they but I thought it was so brilliantly done and it made me actually think of that episode. Mm. Um
0: There's a neat all, Dungeons and Dragons episode of The IT Crowd too if you guys watch that.
1: I haven't oh, I seen
0: no. that. Oh, The IT Crowd is a great uh, British comedy. Very funny.
1: Is it
2: cable? Do
0: you um, see it on cable? Um it, I don't even know where it is on TV. I, I watched it online. You I'll can get it at on iTunes, iTunes and whatever. Okay, yeah. I'll, and um, I will, yeah, it's it's a uh, the IT crowd is about a group of um, IT people at a big company, and um, anyway, hilarious, hilarious. I was going to mention too that the the only other immersive experience that I've had in computer gaming is Fallout Three. Now, Fallout Three is the only yeah, game that I can that think a, of. That's at which, a
1: wonderful modern version of of one of those Infocom games. Really, yeah,
0: it really is. Yeah, yeah
2: I have Fallout. Two, I uh-huh. think, but it's same I found thing. the controls it's just... difficult. So, but well, I think that's well, the only game it, that I, I was can recall. Into other
0: stuff. I actually was in a little town somewhere, and there's these ants that keep coming out at you, and mm-hmm. it's the, the only game that I remember playing on a computer in which my my um, heart rate went up. You know, because <laughs> it was really frightening. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm walking around in the dark, fire ants, and you yeah. can hear them, and then the sound is really eerie and. I remember stopping and saying, wow, this is really kind of getting me. Uh, I'm, I'm actually frightened right here. So, and um, mm. yeah, but it's the, uh, it was a really immersive experience. Just like, but the, 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 the of Call of Cthulhu games that I've played are as immersive. Maybe even more so because not, you have you to really actively participate. You avoid
1: the Dunwich building in Fallout 3. <laughs> that's, that's the H.P. Lovecraft building.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Don't. I've got okay, to go find it. it. I haven't played it for a while, but I've got to find happy. it. That's a scary. One. <laughs> when Jesse my husband's a,
1: unhappy, I'm sending him to you.
0: Jesse was a big Fallout Three player. Are Are you still? Okay. Have you stopped playing? Or? Uh
1: I'm. Uh, I uh, there's one module I haven't finished because uh, mm-hmm. I have to replay the whole game to. <laughs> oh no! Do uh, it.
2: That's but, how we were with the Shadows of M in our house, mm-hmm. uh, the Baldur's Gate thing. It wasn't, it wouldn't get my heart rate up, but it would be to the point where three of us in the household were playing it. And so we would spend all our spare time talking to each other about techniques to overcome this or that. So it wasn't as, as immersive, but it was the first group experience of, you know, egging each other on.
1: Mm. But there, it, It's stuff. interesting because there is a, a dynamic between a single-player story game and a multiplayer uh, story game. So mm-hmm. in, in Fallout Three or in um, in uh, you know Zork, you are playing individu- an individual right, right. who is in a story, and the story is central. Whereas the you know experience points and stuff that just happens to you when mm-hmm. you're playing a multiplayer game. The there's a lot more of the mechanics, especially when it's uh, you know it's pen and paper. There's a lot more of the mechanics that make it less interesting right somebody has to mm-hmm. roll their dice to get their experience points and then you have to roll your dice to get your experience points and roll for gold and roll for random encounter there's all sorts of mechanics that get in in, in the way of the storytelling what's neat about this the the aspect in dream park and in modern computer or video gaming uh role playing games is that all those mechanics are hidden in the software right you don't yeah. have to Role, it's done for you, and it—that's mentioned in the book several times. You know, the, uh, there's one scene where the thief is standing in the field. He's unaware of what's going on, and suddenly, a, a, a sky dragons attack or something, and they just go right by him. And the reason they go right by him is they can't see him.
2: Right, because he's a thief, and his, his yeah, his whatever points really high level
1: is is lower than everyone else's.
2: Yeah, or they'll do something where the knife went end over end somewhere in the background. The points were calculated, and it right. hit. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's why I've always kind of wanted to play something like you're talking about. Scott sounds interesting. The Cthulhu game. Mm-hmm. That's a, I've always thought that would be really interesting, even though the mechanics get in the way, but the human interaction. Is what's more unpredictable.
1: Yeah, you know? it's, it's fun and to so that's, that's see what makes those people. A fuller experience, and you you assist them; they assist you, and right, and right. you're all agreeing. It's it's like a it's if you were all reading a novel together. That that's an unusual experience. You know, when you read a novel, you read it by yourself. Then mm-hmm. we can talk about it after. You know, I can talk with Scott about playing Fallout Three after I played and after he's played, but we don't sit down side by side and play together. Um, whereas in a multi-user game or multiplayer game, there is, um, this consensual, you know, how about if you do this, I'll do that. And then it's, it's more like real life in a way. Well,
2: yeah. And I think that's what, why it made me think of that community, which Obviously, was hilarious because it was spoofing Dungeons and Dragons, but it also showed that, oh, really? Well, then I'm going to do this.
0: Yeah. And everybody's like, what?
2: Oh, no. You know, it's that human element that just throws things off that
1: Absolutely. makes
2: stuff interesting. Yeah. I'm
0: going to look that up, Community.
1: Oh, it's a great
0: show. Cool.
2: Yeah, it's fun. If you, if you start from the beginning, uh, mm-hmm. which is what we did, and it was partway into the second season, when we discovered it, because we just came by random across the Halloween episode this year, which you want to talk about zombies? Brilliant. <laughs> Go to Hulu. You can find that episode and watch that, and that will give you kind of their their peak brilliance, I
0: think. All right. right, Will do.
2: And uh, But then um, we got the DVDs of the first season, and it starts off slow like most series, but the edges are the spoofing. You know, the mm. pop culture yeah, it's, it's awareness very, it's, is always there.
1: It's mm. It's got a whole bunch of great characters and a whole bunch of great writing. Nice. Yeah.
2: Well, mm. and it's the guy who wrote it and um, came up with it says it's basically what happened to him. He and his girlfriend were trying to keep their relationship together or something. I don't get that. But by taking a Spanish class at a community college and he was having trouble, so he wound up in a study group. And he goes, and it was all these misfits who I couldn't stand and he goes, but by the end of the semester, I loved them all for mm. those faults. And he goes, and then I realized I was the jerk. I was the one <laughs> who was from the, the series writer who thought I was so great and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so he took that and he just started spinning it. Oh, that's neat. And it's a good spin. Yeah. Cool.
0: It's a yeah, good show. Yeah. Speaking of TV, there's another interesting aspect on, in Dream Park. He, they, they kind of predicted that people would want to see a game on TV. Yeah, um, or in the movies.
1: It was a, yeah. a little unclear. They were going to definitely edit it and sell it.
0: Right, right. You know, So, yeah, these people spend, what, 12 hours a day playing the game, and then they edit it all together into a movie after the game's over, and they sell it, and they've got uh, novel rights and all kinds of things, You know, which is really what's happened. You know, We, we just got a Halo mm-hmm. audiobook in the other day. Um, I, I,
1: I got the same one, I think. Yeah, <laughs>
0: so it's um, you know really kind of happening. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then the reality true, TV, cause... I've never seen Survivor, but um, Survivor's, uh, you know, I, I know it's not a role-playing game, but um, that people well, would well, be interested uh, in watching a game.
1: Just, maybe it is. <laughs> maybe it maybe is. It is, a it
0: is. <laughs> yeah, right. I've never I seen... I think it might be. I,
2: yeah, mm-hmm. but I do watch The Amazing Race, which is kind of a hybrid of,
1: yeah, you know, they're it, it, playing this game. Wikipedia entry for this and, book. I yeah, think. and
2: it's like it's a... a
1: Reality, different version of this, you know, competitive reality game.
2: Mm-hmm. It's like a game show where this goes on forever around the world, and so you get the interactions of the teams and the people with each other. And um, I don't, you couldn't make a movie out of it, but they've definitely made a long-running series out of it. So it's that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. one of the, one of the things that I w- I was reminded of when when reading Dream Park as well was. Back in the 80s, I don't know if you guys remember this, but um, there was a sort of a hysteria about Dungeons and Dragons, about how it yes. was going to make yeah. everyone. Yeah. Uh,
2: Teenagers will lose commit suicide touch if reality. they play.
1: That's right. There, mm-hmm. there yeah. was a movie with Tom Hanks uh, called M- M- Mazes and Monsters, I think. Yeah,
0: that's, that's he ended up one. Killing yeah. himself or I think, something. Oh,
1: I never he saw that. He was too lost in his, his role as a wizard or something. Um, I, I think. Th- <HonorsUND> <laughs> This is the same sort of hysteria that we get with comic books in the 50s and yeah. uh, movies in the 1930s and all the, you know, every time there's new media that comes out, somebody says, oh, it's the end of the world. Everybody's going to lose control. Mm-hmm. They can't handle it. I could handle it myself. But those kids, they, <laughs> they can't <laughs> tell reality from um, mm-hmm. something else. And, yeah.
2: Video games now or, you know.
1: Well, uh, what I think is interesting, though, is that what it made me think of is that life is becoming much more like a video game. In a sense that people do have an opportunity for a lot more leisure time. A lot of people do play Star, like in Korea, StarCraft is you know a, a, was a national obsession. I don't know if it still is, but maybe it's StarCraft Two now. But there are teenagers who spend a lot of their life playing these video games, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a hysterical hysterical thing like they're losing touch with reality. They know what reality is. They just choose not to do reality. They'd rather play the game. Um well, that's
2: the point of the guild, right?
1: Uh, could be, could mm-hmm. be. That is oh, you that, haven't watched it. No. no. Yeah, also I've hilarious. seen I've seen an episode or two. That's the one based on World of Warcraft or something?
2: Uh yeah, and it's a it's a webisode thing. Mm-hmm. So you can watch a whole season in about an hour. And yeah, it's it's about the six people mostly focused on Felicia Day's character who she writes it and does it. But um, yeah, who they basically spend all their lives around their TVs or, sorry, computer screens. And when it gets really interesting is when they're forced to actually meet each other in person and have to interact. But they're, of course, quite extreme. But it's that thing of, they really kind of have lost touch with reality. But even when they've lost touch with reality, they're not so far gone that they don't know what they're doing.
1: Well, um, it, 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 it like losing touch with reality as opposed to changing your reality to be what, you know, if you could work for Dream Park, right? Mm-hmm. And you spend most of your time doing these adventurous things. Why isn't that your reality? You say, well, because other people have jobs that isn't like that. Well, to me, that's just saying, well, that's other people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I spend a lot of time uh, reading science fiction, and that's part of my life. Um, it's not. Uh, it's not a losing touch with the reality. Is I. I prefer to read science fiction to. I don't know mowing lawns or something like that. <laughs> I know. Well,
2: uh, yeah, or to going to have coffee with this friend who asked you, and you're like, sure. well, maybe later. I can do that tomorrow, but not today. But today, I do have half an hour. I'll read this book instead.
1: That's right. I mean, you sp- choose to spend the time doing the thing. That- you like
2: right right and and i relate to that because that's why i love books so much that's and i think that's the the dream park thing that i enjoyed on this reading this rereading i of course didn't feel it as much i was like scott reading it too fast and then um i'd read it so many times but i hadn't read it for a long time because this used to be kind of comfort reading because i was like i love this adventure that they're on i love this little mythos I never loved the mystery that much,
1: no, The mystery's but not it cool. was fine. But uh, yeah, the, the, I think the, um, the, the mythos, as, as we were talking about before the podcast started, there's a, a uh, afterword in the paper book that's not in the audiobook, and it, it talks about all the different aspects of the reality of, of cargo cults, which is what the plot yeah. essentially is, I guess, spinning out of. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I I hadn't read the book all the way through before. I I owned it years and years ago and started it and didn't didn't go go very far into it. But um, when we finally find out what the big thing is uh, at the end, there's a second big thing, right? Right. And I th- all, both of those were oh, those are interesting, you know. And of course, that makes mm-hmm. sense, right? Um, it's not really a. It, Dungeons and Dragons, because it's but set in post World War II era. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Dungeons and Dragons Mm -hmm. is, you know, alternate world, but on the other hand, there is all the sort of monsters that you would see in Dungeons and Dragons. It's just the mythology is, is, uh, uh, New Guinean. Is that what what it is? New Guinean.
2: Yeah. Papua Mm. New Guinea, I think.
1: Yeah. Sure.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, in the second book, which also was uneven like this one, but for the same reason that I liked Dream Park, I liked that book, too. Um, The second book, The Adventure They Go On, is all based around Inuit mythology.
1: Oh, interesting.
2: Which was interesting, because I didn't know anything about that. And as with Dream Park, the people were likable enough, the secondary goals were interesting enough, there was another tacked on mystery, I think, to... I don't know why they always do that, but they do. Um, And so... I also like that. I have that one around somewhere that I
1: Barsoom project enjoyed.
2: Is yeah, that's it.
0: Oh, it's it's called <laughs> See, the Barsoom project, and it's about Inuit yeah. mythology. Or, yeah, that's interesting. I, I thought well, it would have been Burroughs. Well, the
2: secondary <laughs> the secondary plot is based around like a a moon colony or something like that, and. Mm.
1: Probably
2: going to Mars. Stars. Mars and, Zoom is, is Mars. Uh, yeah, going to Mars. And mm-hmm. they're going to fund part of this, maybe. And the big important meetings, I think, are being held at Dream Park. And so that's the mystery and the tension is uh, making that happen. Hmm. And while well, at the same time, the one of the people going on this Inuit thing is important somehow. And so that's how they tied it together. And then the third one's I, the third one, really, I didn't think that book
1: worked at all. Uh, the California voodoo game i think it was yeah
2: it, it was interesting to read but it it was kind of a mishmash of stuff to me but
1: maybe maybe t- you know time has been kind to the uh, the older books because they were older <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: i don't mm-hmm. I, I, I i can't say that you know they're they're releasing basically all of larry niven's back catalog as uh, as audiobooks now which is very oh, okay. cool, on audible well, there's but,
2: some I'd love to get. Yeah,
1: that, that is amazingly cool. But on the other hand, um, this That's, is the weakest Larry Niven book I think I've ever read. Yeah.
2: Not every book every, a great writer has written is always worthy or as good as the others, you know.
1: Yeah, it's just um, – it, it's an interesting idea, an interesting idea, but I'm not sure um, it is – I think, Scott, you said it was, it was light on ideas and uh, a fun read.
0: Yeah. Mhm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that 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 that's got to be it. I just I just kept thinking where's the where's the real ideas in here and I I <laughs> think about what I would have, you know, what I would have been talking about and and it, it, the stuff that isn't in the book is um is stuff that you know was going on I guess in the in the in the eras, you know, just talking about what I was saying the uh consensual hallucination of whether that will cause you to become a crazy person. Because I heard that a lot when I was playing Dungeons & Dragons.
2: Yeah, and I and think that,
1: in 81... Oh, you must, you're going to go crazy. You're going to lose touch
0: with the reality. Dude, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: well, this to me, rereading it, was kind of like one of those 1950s or 60s science fiction books where you read it and you go, oh, at the time, this would have been a really cool thing to read about and think about. But there's not much there. It's kind of more fluff, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was kind of surprised when I saw you guys had picked it, and I said I'd like to talk about it because I remembered that I really loved the book because it's kind of comfort science fiction. If things aren't going well, and I'll just go back to the cargo cult adventure sometimes, mm-hmm. and that's why I still have it. But um, when I was rereading it, I was like, okay, now that I'm reading it to talk about with other people, I can see there. You know, there's less here even than I would have thought. I just wasn't being critical of it because I discovered it a long time ago and was very familiar with it, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And I was kind of reading it in the spirit of one of those 1950s science fiction books where you just read it and go, oh, they had one idea and this is what they wrote about it. And I kind of liked that. Okay. Hmm. You know.
0: Yep, yep.
1: There's some books. I've got some around here. Um, uh I don't know where the dust jacket is, but I've got um a book called The Dungeon Master. It said came out in nineteen eighty four. I must have read it in in eighty four or so because I got the I got the hardcover for some reason. Ah. Um and I would have been about fourteen. It's about uh it's a it's a basically the incident that caused all that hysteria. Um mm-hmm. uh it says the book recounts his uh um the private investigator, William Dears, experienced investigating a 1979 disappearance of a student at Michigan State University. And uh, so a 16-year-old student was playing a live-action version of Dungeons & Dragons at university, and um, he entered the school's utility tunnels with the intent of committing suicide uh, and went into hiding after the attempt was unsuccessful. Um, Mm. The Mm. book was like... um, I guess it was... What people were pointing to when they were saying there is a you know the events of the book were what people were pointing to when they saying you're going to lose touch with reality you're going to kill yourself because this one crazy guy did did this like Dungeons and Dragons it's like
2: they didn't stop and say this person was a danger to himself anyway probably depending on the circumstances and everybody else normal
0: it's fine yeah and we're hearing the same kinds of things today. Um, as regards to, you know, Xbox games and things. Exactly. Um, didn't you read, you read and reviewed Columbine, didn't you? Yeah. Was Eric video Harris. games part of the, wasn't Eric a, Harris
1: and Dylan Klebold are the, the two murderers who uh, ended up killing themselves after going on a shooting spree at Columbine mm-hmm. in Colorado. Um, they, uh, they, uh, the one of them played Doom, which is a very oh, old uh, first-person shooter game. Um, I think you would be hard pressed to find a male teenager who has not played <laughs> Doom, who yeah. was you know alive in that era, who had a computer because mm-hmm. it was the most com- <clears throat> it was the most common game to play. One of them had played it, and so they said, "Oh, they were inspired by the game to go kill everybody in the school." No, that was not why. Mm-hmm. Right in the book, it's it barely touched on because they had you know a long history of one of them had a long history of getting in trouble with the police. Uh, prior. So it is. It is the thing that people say though, why we need game ratings because if kids play violent video games, they will become violent.
2: Hmm. Well, yeah, well, and it's a tendency of people to like to have something easy to point to that up. you can fix because they're afraid. Of, they don't know why it happened. They're afraid of it, and and it really because I remember, you know, of course that was a horrible, horrific thing, and I just remember hearing the overall story and having. Read science fiction forever and played video games, although not that one. I was like, I'm looking at a lack of parental involvement, you know, indulgence, all so many other factors that all went together.
1: Well, psychopath you know. one of them was a psychopath, and the other one yeah. was a, a follower.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, and if you have enough people kind of paying attention, you can maybe get those people some help. But if no one's paying attention and they're on their own, all kinds of things are going to influence them, including video games. But, I'm not sure you know, there
1: is any help for psychopaths. It's, very, it's well, a very scary situation. Then the help
2: that you get the person is to shut them away where they yeah. can't do that to somebody else. But I'm saying – you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I blame mm-hmm. the parents. Let me just say it. Um, mm-hmm. And you can edit that out if you want.
1: Uh, no, Ed. you know what? I, I I wouldn't blame the parents because I, I don't know you – know, I, I think they're born that way. I think –
2: I know they're born that way, but I guess I'm speaking also from a personal experience that I'm not going to go into much more (laughs) of watching a child grow up who I know has a very similar problem and watching parents both try to help and both completely ignore a super dangerous situation. And the kind of thing where I, you know, you have no grounds to go to someone and say, could we have this person evaluated by, you know, these various people, but, but also saying to other people that I know and having them say, yes, just going, I always, I live in fear of the day that I might have to go testify about what that I knew that this person is like.
1: It's, um, you know it's, what I'm saying? A, it yeah, is a yeah. situation. So, mm-hmm.
2: but that's, I kind of blame that on people not wanting to look at things honestly and clearly, you know, you can mm-hmm. blind yourself and, Parents are blinding themselves, in my opinion.
1: It's uh, so. it's possible, but also, what can they do? That's the that's the real question. Is if someone has not, you know, committed a uh, a crime that you can put people in jail, right? For, what can a, what can a parent do?
2: Well, they cannot completely ignore somebody by going off and doing their own thing. They cannot defend them. They cannot. Dismiss when other people when when they're in conversation with someone and they bring up oh have you thought about it from this angle they cannot just turn around and defensively slap down that person and then ignore everything
1: yeah. well those are so, yeah but what can they do those are the things they can't they shouldn't do but yeah. it's the thing is is there, there's a book out now that just came out called the psychopath test uh, which i i think i'd like to listen to uh, by a guy named Ron uh, John Ronson uh, John Ronson John Ronson is the name of the author, and um, he, he talks about in that book. He talks about all the different kinds of psychopathy that seems to be in society, and a lot of it is not um, uh, the kind where you kill people. It's the kind mm-hmm. where you fleece them out of their life savings. It's the kind where you insist <laughs> yeah. that you are right and they are wrong, and and uh, force your will upon them. Right, it, it, it comes in a range yeah. of things, but a lot of it is not criminal behavior it's it's um, just behavior that is extreme in and and frightening
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and you know full of a a lack of empathy i guess
2: yeah uninteresting in
1: other people's existence other than as a stepping stone for whatever it is they want and that is frightening i i i, I just the, the frightening part is i have no idea what we can do about it
2: Yeah, because you can't do well because then you get (laughs) I'm guessing to people writing movies like what was that movie with Tom Cruise that probably came from Philip K. Dick because didn't everything about (laughs) the the people who can read the minds and
0: oh, Minority Report
2: that they would do something,
0: yeah, yeah, Minority uh, Report sure,
2: which I never saw. Um, Mm -hmm. I started to watch it, but there were so many images of scissors and eyes and dangerous music that I couldn't force (laughs)
1: myself to watch. It's not a great (laughs) (laughs) movie. The thing people uh, talk about that movie is 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 the visual effects and the fact that people are using gesture controls. That is not uh, worthy of watching, so don't bother watching that.
2: Well, thank you. Okay, mm-hmm. then I don't have to worry. But I, I guess that would be the only way you could, except that um, by by taking – I guess my point and my problem with the situation that I am aware of is – Then what I would actually do, I suppose, if this was my situation, other than, you know, crying, feel very sorry and upset about everything, would be to insist on like, you know, like lots of whether it was therapy or not, other things being, you know, other people being aware of what's going on, other, uh, you know, as much therapy as possible, because whether you can help it or not, you can keep those reminders in place for that person. You know, there are not ignoring it.
1: It's Um, denial is a very strong instinct, you know. Right,
2: and I I get that, but I've also had exposure to people who have.
1: It's not the best way to go in many cases,
2: and and denying is doesn't help anybody. I mean, you know. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. Just these things have gotten dangerous, and they've gotten dangerous before, and I just don't like to see that. That's all. But I gotcha. can't mm-hmm. about it.
1: Have either of you gone to see uh, the Spruce Goose?
2: No. It's
1: in Where a, is it? Is it it's in Cal- San Diego, isn't it?
2: Okay, I thought it was in California.
1: Yeah. I think it's a yeah. giant... It's a, I think it's domed.
2: If I was there, I would go see it. Because yeah. my mm-hmm. husband would go see it. Oh my gosh, he would love to see that. He loves airplanes.
1: It's a... It's a it was a nice... Uh, I guess I gave a spoiler, but it's a nice... Um, is anyone uh, gonna read uh, this? Stuff we've
0: been <laughs> <about>? <laughs> well, I don't know. We said it's entertaining. It's a fun book.
2: It's a very entertaining, <laughs>
1: fun book.
0: Yeah, um, and
1: uh,
0: yeah, the Spruce Goose was uh, that's yeah that's a giant airplane. I'm looking at a picture of it. <laughs>
1: perhaps the biggest airplane ever yeah. ever
0: built. What was that movie with uh, about Howard Hughes? Uh,
1: oh
2: yeah, with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, yeah. That's movie. Directed it. That was actually pretty good. The Aviator. Yep.
0: The Aviator. Yeah. That's it. Yep. Yep.
2: I do not like Scorsese that much, and I wasn't fond of Leonardo DiCaprio before that point much, but that was a great movie. Oh, it's mm-hmm. a good movie. I yeah:
1: yeah. I, I'm not sure how accurate it is. it is, um, but I did like it.
2: It was rel- well we <laughs> as much as you can trust online sources, my husband got really interested, so he started looking stuff up, and other than them essentially compressing a lot of events into a shorter period of time, yeah, it was fairly accurate. And I'm old enough to remember when Howard Hughes died, the news reports in the paper, just kind of hearing about it peripherally and all the insanity that they discovered after he died and all the people popping up to try to take his money. And
1: mm. there's definitely some denial going on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just,
2: I know. Like, talk about, you know, helping. Somebody.
1: Out of touch with reality. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
2: That was sad. Wow. So, but the, that's why I like the movie, I think. And wow, was that Kate Blanchett as Catherine Hepburn? Mm-hmm. Somebody Skip like roll. that. Wow, she was good. Yeah. So, so, what's the
0: deal with the Spruce Goose? Did, is that the one it never flew because it's so huge, or did it? Uh,
1: it flew once.
0: It flew once, and oh, they said yep. no, that's not going to work during the test. Yeah. I see.
1: Was, um, I think that it was it was like um, if it, it flew after the war, but it was it was basically going to be the aircraft that was going to take all the American troops into Japan, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yeah. Once you get a, a beachhead, right, you need to be able to move a lot of people right. in, and I guess the dropping of the the bombs w- prevented that, uh, or at least the the treaty,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: the the, the uh, condition unconditional surrender of Japan. Um, prevented the need for a massive troop transport mm-hmm. um, because it, that would have been a lot of people, I mean, if you think about the way w- w- the war in the Pacific went versus the war in Europe went, is the war in the Pacific was a fight for everything that no, yeah. everything that the, everything that Japan had taken, but not Japan itself, right? right. Whereas mm-hmm. in uh, Europe it was a fight for everything that Germany had taken, but also went into Germany, right? Right. I mean they 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 did the entire country of Germany. They never touched Japan, right? As in, they never put people on the ground in Japan. It was
2: uh, to fight, yeah. But, right. it,
1: but you know, not knowing what you're going to need, um, not knowing whether you're going to need to go in there, um, they um, they they were planning on. Having to put all those people into Japan and fight fight it in the streets. Yeah. So they don't yeah. need a well, ship that. Uh,
2: ship yeah, ship and having eight. watched that, there's some that series about, fairly recent series about the war for the Pacific. Well, I guess it was the war everywhere, but the one I remember is when they the were talking HBL about one, the Pacific. HBO one, you mean? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's. It's it. called
1: the Pacific, yeah, I think.
2: Uh, well, no, this talked about, this followed soldiers and nurses and things like that into both parts of the war but it starts at the beginning of the war kind of following these people th- through their letters and things and as you know somebody might die or get married or and leave. Maybe that's a PBS series or other something. People. Mm-hmm. Yeah we got given the DVD set and I was actually I thought I knew a lot about it but you know when you're watching that actual footage and some of it was color from the Pacific mm-hmm. it's shocking how many lives were lost of course on both sides but They were having to fight for everything so hard. I could see why they think they needed so many troops, especially after that one island where the entire village had been lied to about what the Americans or allies or whatever would do to them. So they all, the soldiers had to watch them all throwing themselves off of a cliff before they could get up there and stop them. Yikes! Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people were slitting their own kids' throats and throwing them off the edge of the the cliff. It was horrific. And so I can see why they might have thought that um they were gonna need a lot of people.
0: <laughs> Amazing. It's not good. Amazing. Yep.
2: Yeah. It it was the overall effect is to really it's a great series. It really shows you from a lot What's of sports. I'm going to have to... I will get our DVD. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no, go grab show. it. <laughs> you know, about, Scott gonna, and
1: I will talk about you while you're gone. <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to
2: listen to the podcast, so you better edit that part out. Okay, I'll be right back.
0: <laughs> I'm about halfway through the HBO series, The Pacific. I've got it right here.
1: What do you, what do you think of that?
0: So far, it's, it's very good. Um, and it's intense. You know, the, I, I loved that... Um, what was the, the series in Europe... Uh that was Band of Brothers. Yeah, Band of Brothers. That was a terrific series and um learned a lot watching that and learning a lot watching this one as well. But uh, uh what an intense period of time. My goodness. Can not imagine. Uh, yeah, I'm
1: not I'm not super enthusiastic about the um the uh the segments set in the United States itself mm-hmm. uh, in the Pacific, you know, there's the the Medal of Honor winner has to go home and uh. make you know, spend time getting war bonds, or uh-huh. you
0: know, yeah. yeah, encouraging
1: the purchase of war bonds. But, um, I mean, it, it it is a true story, so I guess you, it's good to mention, you know, mm-hmm. this actually happened. But I think there was a lot of time spent in that, and that just was not as interesting to me.
0: Right, right.
1: But uh, yeah, certainly, like this, you've seen the episodes um, set in Australia.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. That's
1: sort of something that uh, we haven't seen a lot before. Mm-hmm. Uh. You know, when we've seen, uh, you know, English and and Americans together in the UK, you know, Mm -hmm. those Americans with too much money and all the English resenting them for that. But Australia and uh, the USA is a different story. And that was uh, nice to see on film. I've never seen that before.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, I'm sorry, Curses. I can't find it in nobody else's home for some reason. Okay. Sorry. Well, oh, well you'll, okay.
1: you'll send us a link. Uh, I will. Put it Great. in the show notes. I definitely okay. will. Sounds good. Cool.
0: All right. Well, have we got anything will else to say
1: today? you
2: guys talking about me? Well, we were talking all, about
0: the oh. Pacific, you, you, uh, the HBO series. Scott was saying. I'm about halfway through it. Scott was saying. Yeah.
2: Uh, Actually, <laughs> that's really good. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's really good.
0: good so far. Yeah.
2: Well, speaking yeah. of World War II, when I was in Chicago last week, we we were so surprised we went to the institute of science and
0: oh yeah i love that museum uh, i've been there Mm
2: -hmm. yeah industry yeah and my and we went oh look there's a submarine here (laughs) that's interesting Mm. so we went to see it and discovered it's the only uh german submarine that was captured during world war ii yeah and it's in chicago in a museum and it's of course, when I say it's huge, that sounds stupid because, of course, it's huge. But when you walk into that room and see that submarine, mm-hmm. you just feel in awe of what the size and what was accomplished with that technology at that mm-hmm. time period.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, amazing. It must
2: be like going to see the Spruce Goose or something.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I was yeah. very claustrophobic in that. I, I don't think I could stand up fully straight in that thing.
1: It no, made people shorter back then. Minute. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I know I couldn't sleep on one of those beds. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. did not
2: get to go inside. So, Oh, didn't you've you? Been in. Oh. Well, we were there just too late. The last tour had gone Oh, okay. The, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I went but, to a submarine in San Francisco, too. It was a United States sub. And mm-hmm. um, it's on the, I forget what you call that, Pier 39 or whatever. I was in San Francisco for a weekend. We spent one day there where Alcatraz is. I didn't get to go to Alcatraz. We went around it because we were just too late.
1: But, mm-hmm.
0: um, you know, it, it, we took a boat that went around the Golden Gate Bridge and then around the Alcatraz Island. But in that same spot, they've got a submarine that uh, somehow they've obtained and they've just docked there. And uh, The you, Russian submarine? or No, it's an American one.
1: Okay.
0: And from you, that
2: time period? Yeah, from or? the same
0: time period. Yeah, and you okay. just put on a – they give you a little iPod – and it's a self-guided tour, and they talk about it as you go through it. and um, Yeah, but it was bigger than the German one.
1: Hey, um, I should tell you, uh, Julie, there was a documentary I'm really interested in seeing. If you if you ever s- see it on uh, Netflix mm. or anything, let me know, because I, I don't think it's available on Netflix in Canada. Okay. Um, it's called Get Lamp. It's a documentary about text adventures, huh. um, which totally would be cool, you know, because... I mean, I remember playing maybe about six of those games. Yeah. But, um, that I know that there was a lot more because there was a lot in the catalog that I didn't own. You know.
0: Yeah. Uh. It's
1: called Get What? Get Lamp. L-A-N-C- L-A-N-C- you know, like yeah, yeah, L-A-N-C- like oh, like, Get like, Lamp. As in, that's like in, Yeah. Right? Ah, gotcha.
2: Yeah, Get Lamp. Yes, because that could be so frustrating. Because if you didn't type just the right thing in, it didn't have a bit, very big hmm. vocabulary.
0: Read,
1: guide. Yeah,
2: <laughs> exactly. And then you'd have to sit there and kind of write down what it said because you couldn't tell where the clues were. Yeah, well, and make your own also, maps and everything. Yeah, also
1: know how to spell, have to spell everything properly.
2: Yes, you had to type well. Hmm. It did not change things for you like happens today. Oh, I'm going to look for that.
0: Shoot, I don't see it on Netflix, darn it. No. No. no.
1: Yeah, So it's
2: probably, where have you heard, where'd you hear about it? uh, There's a
0: getlamp.com. I'm just looking it up, but.
2: Okay. Mm
1: -hmm. Hmm. Interesting though.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. very.
2: That's one I'd watch. Yeah. If we watched Helvetica in our household, we would surely watch Get Lamp.
0: (laughs) How (laughs) was Helvetica? I've heard good things about it, but I haven't watched it. (laughs)
2: It's once you watch get uh, once you watch Helvetica, it's great. It's mm-hmm. really great. We this even watched on fonts afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about the typeface being developed and all the people who use it, the preponderance of it in society, and modern design. Of of just people. Helvetica?
1: Or it doesn't talk about other ones.
0: Well,
2: Helvetica's. Uh, watch the documentary, Jesse. <laughs> I right. just can't convey the depth and richness
1: <laughs> of the,
2: what it communicates. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's the main sans-serif face that's used and it was deliberately designed and um, th- we even watched the afterwards stuff. Um, well, and I guess I should say for anybody who's listening who doesn't know, my husband and I have been in advertising for quite a long time. And so, we get geeky over things like typefaces. <laughs> but, um <laughs> In fact, our kids, uh, Hannah's the one who heard about it first, and she was at Texas A&M at the time, and they were coming through because it was Helvetica's 50th birthday of being designed. So they came through and they had cake, and she's like, oh typefaces and cake and so she made some friends go with her and when the friends came out they were all came back and said i'm going to use helvetica on my computer and they were so disappointed because they had uh pcs and they couldn't (laughs) so (laughs) yeah and i was like yes the geekdom spreads right but we watched the afterwards and things and um made the kids watch it so that they understood why when i used futura it was better than helvetica Mm
0: -hmm. so
2: you know Things like that, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Interesting.
2: Yeah, but it, it's yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you can find documentaries. I about just it. can't
1: believe it's on one font. I mean, I I, I could see you know on all the serifs and all the different all the different fonts that are no, out.
2: but serif faces are completely different, and sans serif they do touch on them. But what happens is you you hear from all these designers and see how they're used in all these different ways or see how Helvetica is used in all these different ways. And so then you have people saying, and based on that, I developed this. But um, what really happens is the people that we've had around who've seen it, like this girl who works for us and stuff, she's like, I can't believe it's used everywhere and I never knew it. Hmm. Suddenly recognizes it everywhere.
1: It's
2: ubiquitous.
1: Well, if there is is a... um a connotation of uh, of um word word usage there's also a connotation of of fonts right mm-hmm. you've got you've got the um you know the, the standard thing where you take the i uh, think that's probably what every kid did when they first got their computer and they found out that there were multiple fonts you get one word like uh, i don't know lamp or something and you put it in all the different fonts and then you look at them and you say which mm-hmm. one of these says what right mm-hmm. <laughs> which one of these has a meaning that I can Mm -hmm. extract. And, uh, you know, it's like when it says crying, but the letters are happy, you know, and it says, um, sad, but the letters are, are sad or, or afraid, but the letters are not afraid. Right.
2: Yeah. You can't put the word Gothic into Helvetica and have it look Gothic. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you just can't. Nice. Um, Hmm. but yeah. And it's funny because I guess for me, you said that and I was like, oh yeah. When is the time I became aware of that? Well, I, I, majored in advertising so that's when they kind of made us aware of all that
1: mm.
2: so and unfortunately for our, or, or fortunately i don't know for our kids they have a what rich font knowledge is, of this sort of thing what font is
1: your website in uh
2: you know i don't well here's i don't even
1: know problem. what my website's font is <laughs> <laughs> well is, you know part what of is the that problem stuff up font scott with I, don't remember. I don't remember is that
2: not a ton of faces are really rendered very well via website. And so there's a certain small group of them. And this is why it's usually so constricted because other faces haven't been designed for that pixelate pixelization at different sizes.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so that's why you're usually stuck with the ones that the computer set or it came with your computer. Right. Now they've got a thing though, that's fairly new where they have redesigned a bunch of typefaces to work that way, and you can essentially like, lease the typeface for a website. So if you're designing a website and you're like, oh, they really want this kind of a face, oh, look, here's one that's very similar, or this face itself, they'll render it for you, and you can lease that from them, and they'll provide that typeface for your website. Hmm. we have used that for a few people, who've, a few designers or uh, clients who've really wanted that done.
1: Getting a lease so. on a font sounds kind of strange. <laughs> i got go to go to the bank and get a lease. I know. But that
2: way you're not. Finance new,
1: my new font.
2: Well, here's the <laughs> thing because otherwise the computer that you're using has to have that typeface so it can render it. Yeah. And in, they, in, unless you want to provide everyone in the world with that typeface, which most people, companies don't want to do, those people will do it for you, basically. That's why you're leasing it.
1: Now, now I guess asking this is probably a, a big mistake, but does it really well, matter that much?
2: We would say no, actually. As the people who do the websites, we're yeah. like, it's a perfectly good. There's a small number people who are looking at websites don't stop and care that much. You know? uh, you consciously, you can get a representation a of different, different, looks different looks, or really. yeah, or you can do things. You can make you know static things that have the typeface pieces, yeah, right? But then people stop and say, those aren't SEO. They're not search engine optimized, yeah. and we're like, okay, first of all. Now let's go for the now third. How they're falling into what a trap. What this really means to you, blah blah blah. It's not search so, engine
1: optimization; yeah. it's Google optimization. <laughs>
2: let's talk. Well, let's talk yeah. to you here. Stop I know what asking, they know is they've learned those three deal. letters.
1: Google yes, engine. Google optimization. But
2: it's like when you um, read a book. And at the end, I always like when they have this book was set in Adobe Gar- Garamond Pro, which was, was designed by so-and-so and blah, 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 blah. It didn't change my enjoyment of the book. I hmm. like knowing which typeface it is. But I do lay out books.
1: That makes so, me think that uh, it's, it's, a narrator is like the uh, audio version of the font. What do you think? Yeah, <laughs> Essentially. That
0: is funny, yeah.
2: That's <laughs> a good point.
1: mm. I guess. The, could, I guess, guess it does to, matter which narrator you use. <laughs> well, I guess it does way, matter which it, font you use.
2: In a way, it matters. It does matter, but you can get equally good narrations from different people for That's a true. book. It will just be that little. Some are
1: better. Going to be right? better than others. You
2: well, don't wanna, right? Exactly.
1: Who's uh, I don't know? Arial for some, and you need serifs, especially if it's small.
2: Well, yeah, exactly. But there's a lot of different serif typefaces. Are you going to use Baskerville, Bookman, Garamond, you know, Gaudi? What are you going to use? So um, you start looking at all these different typefaces, and that's where, hopefully, somebody like me can go, I'm going to do this and this, and there's logic behind it, and it matters. It's not going to matter to the reader so much, but you have to have something to start from.
1: I like impact myself. <laughs> I think that's my favorite because it's, it's really – it starts off bold, and then when you bold it, it gets bolder.
2: Gets even bolder. You just like to shout all the time, huh?
1: I I like impact quite (laughs) a lot. I like to shout all the time. Well, I, I no, I, I don't use it for like. uh, It's just for titles, right? Right.
2: But that's what bold does. It's kind of hey
1: over here. It's part of the design then, rather than.
2: But I like that narrators are the typeface because that's right. And that's and that's why for websites it doesn't matter that much and probably for books it doesn't matter that much but it doesn't mean there aren't some really super cool
1: I think font. the narrator matters slightly more than the than the the, the, the is it typeface or font whatever Either is. one Yeah okay
2: Your choice
0: This has been the SFF audio podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.